Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-host, Mickey Turner. Casey's the other voice that you hear. Tim Foss. Of course, Ari Lillian Wall. This has been an extremely weird podcast. Getting dragged all day. Just the bottom line is they, they don't have an answer to that. There's a reason they got signed to first team contracts. And if you're not going to give them respect for that, then have fun losing again next Very year. special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the CL Sounders. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of Sounder at Heart podcast. I am, of course, your host, Mark Kastner, and this week I am joined by Ari Willywall, Susie Rance, and Ian from American soccer analysis. How are you today, Ian? I'm good. Thank you for having me to your uh, to, to your Zoom program. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for doing the collab with us. We, we we are of course big fans of the work that you guys do over there. Um, yeah, so the Sounders are going to end up playing some more soccer games, and I thought we would get the gang back together and and have a chat about that. But first, uh, there's some blockbuster news out of the uh, women's soccer camp in America over the weekend. And uh, it involved our local OL Rain making a big trade for Rose Lavelle. Uh, Susie, can you kind of fill us in on the details of, of that as, as you are a, uh, a closer follower of, of the minutia of that trade? <laughs> yeah, and it is a, a more complicated one um, in, in NWSL land. So folks, I guess to start from, everyone probably knows, but U.S. women's national team players are allocated to, to clubs and their salaries are paid by U.S. soccer, not by the club team or by the league. Um, so the rain made a deal with the Washington Spirit, who have Rose Lavelle allocated to them, um, to get her rights in exchange for sending $100,000 in allocation money to the Spirit and a 2022 draft pick. Um, allocation money is new for the league this year, so that's kind of exciting to see it get used in such a, what I would say for this league, a blockbuster way. Um, and the news is super ex exciting with one caveat, which is we're in the middle of a pandemic and everyone is quite interested in leaving the U.S. at the moment to go play soccer. So. Um, Rose Lavelle, while it hasn't been officially confirmed yet, is rumored to be joining Manchester City for the rest of the year uh, for on a one-year uh, one-year contract with an option to extend. So, should the Rain be playing any games in the near future, they will be doing it without her, um, and and with some uncertainty about when she might suit up for the Rain. So. Um, the the rights to one of the best midfielders in the world is something I think a lot of people can be really excited about. Yeah, and, and even though it it we don't really know when the rain are going to actually play competitive games again. I know there's constantly rumors, and and there's even rumors about the rain participating in some sort of preseason tournament with European teams. But uh, you know the team the team has recently transitioned. Um, maybe not by choice, away from head coach uh, Wacko Andonoski. Did I get that right? Um, and and it seems like this is a bet on the future, regard, uh, whether or not she does end up playing for the Reign um, or not. 
uh, Ari, I, kn I know your your profession is to cover Major League Soccer, but I know from being your friend, you you are a big big Rose fan. So how do you feel about this trade? Yeah, I'm hyped on this. You know, uh, I wish that we could watch you play for the club sooner, but uh, I understand why it's worked out the way it's worked out. And yeah, I mean, she's one of, if not my favorite players in the world to watch. Um, she's one of the most talented. We were having a debate the other day on the text thread. Or I was having a debate on another text thread about, you know, where you would rank her among the best players in the world. And there's not many names you could put above her. So elite talent, really fun to watch. Um, she's won World Cups for us. Uh, so it's, it's probably the name that I would get the most hyped on for the main acquiring, even if it's not immediate. Um, so my reaction was just, I was stoked that uh, hopefully we'll get to watch her play here somewhere down the line. Yeah. I would say too, um, for people who did watch the rain play in this challenge cup, the tournament, uh, the one thing that was pretty severely lacking from the team, very organized and disciplined defensively, but a huge lack of creativity, I would say, in, in the way they played and being able to get someone like Roosevelt to, to bring that and be able to really um, merge the offensive and defensive effort of the rain is going to be huge. I was actually, that was just the question I was actually going to ask you, Susan. So you took the words right out of my mouth. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> basically, you know, what, what would she bring to the team in a hypothetical win slash hit she plays? Uh, Ian, I don't mean to put you on the spot or anything, but I know ASA was uh, dabbling with, with some advanced analytics of NWSL during this tournament. Did, did anything kind of stick out uh, regarding Rose or um, do you not have those numbers? I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I can tell you that the numbers like her because she's extremely good at soccer. Uh, <laughs> so there's not a lot of mystery there. I think, um, you know, she's one of those players that kind of, you don't really need to like look under the hood much because you can just tell, um, you know, the kind of quality that she has, the kind of quality that she could bring to any team. Um, so yeah, I'm, with you guys, obviously, just like very excited. She's one of my favorite players as well. Um, I think during the last World Cup, she was one that really, really won me over. Um, so, uh, yeah, here's hoping that works out in the future. Um, I think it's a, from a business perspective, it seems to make the most sense for all the parties involved. So it's always nice when that kind of thing can happen. Um, and, uh, you know, this just gives me even more hope for, for, uh, for a future NWSL, you know, coming back when they do. And, um, of course, if you are a frequent listener to our main Sound Our Heart podcast, which this is in our feed, uh, Susie also co-hosts a, a rain-specific podcast with Jacob Cristobal that if you don't listen to, um, you should probably listen to that show more than you listen to this show because it's a lot better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, that's kind of what we've got on on Rose and, and of course follow Susie and the rest of the uh, Ride of the Valkyries um, on soundartheart.com for any further news that pops up there. Uh, yeah, so the Sounders are going to actually play some more games, uh, which is either exciting or not exciting, depending on your perspective of their performances in the MLS's back tournament. But um, we kick off the rest of, or the start of, what MLS is calling the phase one return with uh, 
probably the Sounders, absolutely the Sounders' biggest rival on Sunday as uh, they face Portland Timbers, who, you know, just actually won the MLS Backus tournament. Uh, so, um, Ari, can you kind of uh, give us give us a kind of a quick recap of, of what the Timbers have been up to um, in this tournament, and if for those unfamiliar, well, they won it. So that's number one. Uh, but I don't know. I think go, like going into the tournament, uh, they weren't like a very they weren't a very popular pick. I think people kind of view their roster as getting on the older side. You know, Diego Valeri and Diego Chara are both you know thirty three, thirty four. Sebastian Blanco's thirty two. Um, so people questioned whether they were getting too old and maybe questioned their depth a little bit. Um, but by winning the tournament, I think they kind of showed that they're still a force in the West. Valeri can still do it, maybe not for quite as many minutes as he used to, um, but he's still one of the more quality players in the league. And Sebastian Blanco absolutely tore it up the entire tournament. Uh, and Diego Chara is still very, very good. So, you know, it's kind of the same old guys, but they're still doing it at a high level. And they defended pretty well throughout the tournament as well. Um, they tied LAFC, which is never an easy thing to do. So, you know, I'll, I, I think I was probably one of the people coming into this season who was like, can you really ride this for another year? But, I mean, I think they showed that they, they can and they have a trophy to show for it. So um, the Timbers are most definitely still a factor, yeah. They uh... – they have a player in uh, in Jeremy Abobasi that is kind of I forgot about him. Yeah, yeah come, come onto the scene as as one of the better, if not the best, young American attacker in the league. Which you know Sounders fans might might also claim to um, to have that on their own team in Jordan Morris, uh, who who seems to be pretty exciting. Is there anything? Uh, under under the hood there, Ian, or does he just kind of? Yeah, I mean, do, he's... do good at putting the ball in the back of the <laughs> He does. He do do that. Uh, I think uh, uh, for that entire tournament, I think he was one of the three um, kind of breakout players with Akinola and Brian Rodriguez that really put themselves um, in a much better position than they were when they started. I know that Abobasi um, is one of those guys that we've all sort of looked at for the last couple of years and said, like, look, there's a lot of quality there. I'm not sure that this Portland Timbers team appreciates it. I'm not sure that this is where he needs to be because he's having a hard time getting off the bench. He's getting shunted out wide. Uh, and, you know, you've got like a purely good attacking force here. And uh, I think that he has kind of silenced all those doubts at this point. And uh, I don't, I don't know what a lot of things that you can take from a tournament like this. It's a very unprecedented thing to look at. And so, so data even, uh, from our perspective at ASA, it's just sort of kind of a novelty, really. Like, just kind of look at it and go, like, well, that's an interesting thing. Um, but obviously, there's a lot of extenuating circumstances here. But uh, I, I think that this is just something that anyone that has been kind of following him for a while knows that this was there. Um, and uh, I think that if you're not a Timbers fan, you were hoping that they were never going to be the ones to discover it. And they have discovered it. And he, he did have a... a a decent series against the sound. Like I remember how well he played in uh, it was the 2018 during that playoff mm -hmm. series where he scored, um, he scored in the Portland leg and was even, I don't, 
I don't think he scored in the uh, return leg, but he was just you could you could see the potential there. You could see the raw talent. He's a handful, yeah. yeah. And and he was playing out wide uh, for that for that game too. Um, so it's it's kind of like it's kind of hard to talk about this because um, you know we we referenced it in the beginning of the show, but we're still sort of in the middle of this pandemic, and there's uh, it's not like MLS is has released a full regular season schedule for us to kind of sink our teeth into, but we're just getting little bits. You know, we first got the tournament and then that kind of happened. And, you know, uh, from a Sounders fan perspective, it was underwhelming to say, (laughs) to say the least. Um, And, you know, we're just kind of given, given these handful of games for the next uh, six weeks or so, or maybe not even that if they're not account. yeah, it's less than six weeks, but uh, Susie, how do you kind of feel about the rest of the season from a, from your perspective, if, the, if that's not too hefty of a question? <laughs> I feel like maybe like everyone else, my answer might change every day or maybe when the games become reality. It's hard, like in anticipation of that a little bit. Um, in many ways, it's exciting to see soccer that we we like to like soccer and teams that we like to see uh on the field and in many ways I still feel so much unease about teams traveling around the country and um whether MLS cares about their safety or not or in just how each team is addressing health and safety so I don't know mixed emotions I would say for sure I think the thing that I'm perhaps most looking forward to from a Sounders perspective is them to get a little bit of redemption from their um, uh, time in the MLS's back tournament and hopefully shows people that it's maybe not the team that, that they are. Yeah, one thing that if if there is sort of a silver lining to um, to this coming slate of games, which of course starts starts in Portland on uh, on Sunday and then very quickly a game in LA on uh, next Wednesday is is that probably for the first time this year, as Brian Spencer confirmed last week in an interview on the radio, that the Sounders will be at full strength. Um, if you remember the beginning of the season, they were missing Nicholas Ladero, which was obviously a huge loss. And then uh, Gomez Andrade wasn't able to play in the first, first two home games um, because of, um, because of paperwork and, and nagging injuries. And then of course that we don't need to rehash the, the, the Sounders' performance in the tournament, which which had uh, its its course of players miss games here and there, but uh, Ari, do you remember the conversations we were having? Like, I think I even had you on the show before before the season started about how excited we were about the the potential of this team. Can you kind of maybe rekindle some of that for us? Yeah, well, because I mean, if you look at their, especially their first choice. 11 I think it stacks up with just about anybody uh but we never really got to see it on the field I like I am most interested I would say just to see what the team looks like uh, if they can get Jao Paulo out there for an extended run of games I mean he didn't play at all in the tournament and you know for all the anxiety and concern about how Seattle defended in the tournament and there's definitely still issues at center back that need to be ironed out but he makes a big difference in that respect and then he's also one of the best passers on the team so if 
they can actually get him playing consistent minutes, I think that makes a huge difference. Um, and, you know, as far as the center backs go, uh, you know, you have Javier Arriaga and Yamar as your starters that haven't really gotten that many reps together. And they've so, only played 64 minutes together. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, I, I'd be, I'll be interested to see if they can kind of get more cohesion and the back line can look a little better uh, when they're actually playing together more. I mean, it remains to be seen. But, you know, on paper, this is a good starting 11, and I think that's why, you know, people were as high as ever on, on the roster and the team's chances going into the season because of that. Uh, and we just really haven't gotten to see it yet. So hopefully we'll get to see it just, just to see what would happen. You know, I want to see what happens when Jao Paulo's out there every week. I want to see what happens when the center backs get more time together and, and just see what the team looks like. So um, I'll be excited to see that, uh, you know, assuming it comes to fruition, of course. Yeah. So Everybody, uh, if, I mean, maybe you don't know. I was going to say everybody knows, but that would be presumptuous and, and unfair of me. But the the first three matches of the MLS Packers tournament actually counted towards the regular season standings. So if you if you look at where the where the Sounders sit in the standings, they have eight points and they're in fifth in the West. Um, if if you uh, don't take into account kind of the hilariously low points total that is for mid August in a normal year. In August, the Sounders are usually in fifth place or thereabouts because <laughs> they've had a slow start to the season. They've started picking up momentum in the summer, and this is a, this is the time where they start kind of putting teams beyond uh, behind them. So uh, it, it's it's oddly comforting, isn't it, Ian, that the Sounders are in a familiar position uh, look, looking ahead. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's. This is, I think, the big question mark over this whole, um, you know, abbreviated season thing is uh, if you're a Sounders fan, like what happens when the first half of the season is the second half of the season? And, uh, you know, I don't know. It, it's it, definitely they sort of looked in that tournament like early season Seattle Sounders have looked in years past. And um, I think that uh, if they need time uh, to get, you know, going, they're not, they're not going to have it this time around. So uh, that, that puts some, uh, that puts some pressure on that team. It puts some pressure on Smetcher. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think that again, anything that we saw, I mean, in the tournament, I, I we're talking about it because there's nothing else to talk about. Um, uh, but it's so hard to like take anything serious from that tournament. I think it was just such an unusual occurrence. It was just a weird thing. You're off in Florida, no fans, like a weird timing. You just came back. It was essentially a preseason that we're just saying counts for something. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, they had to they had to do it. They had their reasons, and it was fun to watch. Um, but uh, you know, I wouldn't look at the, the first three games of any season or, or, and go like, oh well, this this season we got to just throw this one away because it looks so bad. But you know, that being said, didn't look good. <laughs> um, so I, I do think that it's, it's totally fair for, for fans to like have some question marks. And I think it's fair for those question marks from, from people outside to kind of look at, at, at what the Seattle team is doing and did in that tournament go like, okay, is this going to be what this team is this year? Yeah, it's, it's tough because not only is it, is it restarting so quickly and mm -hmm. with so many matches in such a short amount of time, but it's also against like, 
all of the sound is fiercest rivals. It's a it, nightmare. This is like maybe the exact apart from opposite. Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I could have picked any kind of three games to have on your way back to this, this is the opposite of what I would have done. I set them up with the uh, the Timbers Galaxy LAFC like trifecta right off the bat like that. That's a that's a tough draw. Yeah, and so um, Ari, can you kind of shed some light, and, and then I, I kind of want to get I want to get Susie's uh, take on this, but. Can you, uh, I'm actually forgetting the details of like the, the COVID travel, Ari. Do you, do you happen to remember like the, the protocols teams have to go through like, like, oh, like charter not, flights? Or, yeah, no, I don't know that specifically. I mean, okay. I know that there are protocols, but. I, I think I, basically the reason why I ask is because at record, we're recording this podcast on Monday afternoon. You're probably listening to it on Tuesday or later in the week, but uh, FC Dallas and Nashville played one of their makeup games last night and it um, it kicked off at like super late but they couldn't they couldn't push the game a day because Nashville wasn't actually staying in a hotel because of their charter flight right they were just going in and out yeah so which um, is the rule yeah you have to fly in the same day and leave the same day of the game which that's insane um, yeah in terms of like recovery and and whatnot but looking at the next week for the Sounders, they have to uh, presumably take a bus to Portland and then either, yeah, and then bus back the same day. And then on Wednesday, they have to fly to LA. And then Wednesday night, at, the game doesn't kick off till 7.30, so probably midnight they have to fly back. And then they have another game against the best team in the league in LAFC. Uh, Susie, do you feel like where, whereas where we sit right now, we don't really know a whole lot about this team. If on if at 10 p.m. on August 30th after the LAFC game, do you feel like we'll have our minds made up about what to expect from the season? Um, I guess maybe what to expect from the rest of the season. <laughs> I wouldn't say though what to expect from the team like longer term. I was just thinking too, I feel like if this were a normal year, I might even be right now reminding myself how hard it is to come to, to win MLS cup and then like repeat it the same yeah. the, the next year. Like there's just so many factors against them for, and then throw in uh, a pandemic and having to go play in hot, humid Florida. Like, I don't know. There's just so many factors working against them. That I don't think I could take anything from three games. Um, it might tell me how I could expect the rest of the season to go, but not how I feel about the team overall. That was that was purposely uh, an unfair question, so I'm sorry for <laughs> for putting that to you that way. But um, I think it may tell us more about whether we should care or like worry about <laughs> this, whether we should worry about this center back pairing, for example. I do like I totally agree that those two need more time together before anyone should be calling for a player to be kicked, kicked to the curb. Um, I think maybe three games could tell us a little bit more if they have that time together. So, so I, I guess it, it's tough because you, you want to give this team time. You want, like, um, I wrote a piece last week that got a lot of uh, interesting responses to it, just the kind of, evaluating the Ariaga situation, right? Which is sort of the elephant in the room that I know we spent a lot of the last podcast talking about, but um, I kind of just, I just put out three, 
three options that the team has because they certainly can't can't do any sort of anything crazy like like a FIFA transfer or something like that to solve their problems. But you either give them time or you just bench him and play Shane O'Neill or um, or uh, Gustav. Gustav Spence in there, or you do something crazy like, and this was my personal favorite, was transition Nuhu to the center back, which is a, a take that I've had for a year now that I'd really like to see Hashtag happen. Hashtag that. Get that trending. <laughs> but, Nuhu to CV. Yeah, so 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 obviously we we would like to let this team gel together, but do we have do they have the time to do that? Is that what we're kind of hoping they've accomplished in, you know, things have been kind of quiet out of, out of training, but is, do we think it's going to work basically? I mean, yeah, I think it's irrelevant if they have time to, to do mm-hmm. that. They, they have to do it. So you basically, I mean, I don't know. I've been saying during this whole debate, you just start Ariaga and Yamar and, see what happens and hope it works out. You don't really, you don't really have any other options. So I, what, is it going to work or not? That's uh, what we're going to find out over this set of games. But I think you just have to throw them out there and hope it does. I don't like, what are the alternatives? I like, yeah, you could, you could start Shane O'Neill, but what there's, I don't know if there's much evidence to suggest that that's like a better call, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And Gustav, you would be putting him out of his best position. I don't think he especially likes playing center back. So, it's just, I mean, you, people can advocate for that all they want, but that's not going to be like the long-term thing that they do this season. It's just not. So, Yeah, it is. It's, that's the, it's, it's fun to talk about, but, but Ari's right. I mean, there's just – what else can you do? Assuming that, that they're both healthy, you have to play both of them there. Like, you can't um, – and I don't want to like sugarcoat it. Like Ariaga's been rough. Like he's had he's had a rough a rough go of it. I mean, even at times last year there were a lot of concerns. I know we were discussing this, Mark. Like even last year that we were like, uh, what's going on with this guy? Yeah. Um, you know, he when we were looking back, like way back before we signed him, we were looking at tape and and all that stuff. You know, it was just like this is a very aggressive defender, and that's good. But that can lead to a lot of situations where you're in like a high risk, high reward kind of situation. And uh, right now, like you know, when you you roll those dice and lose, it's bad. And he's been 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 throwing bad dice for for a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, as much fun as it is to think about moving new who there, as much fun as it is to think about. Um, you know, signing someone. I don't think either either of those are realistic options. I mean, the only thing I could think of is just like maybe doing some sort of trade, but I, I just don't know what the Sounders have in the roster that they're willing to give up that the other teams would want. I, I just don't think that that personnel, those resources are there to make any kind of like big move in that way. And I don't necessarily think it's the right thing to do either. I think it's unfortunate that, you know, this is going against Portland, the Galaxy and LAFC is just getting right back into the deep end again. Um, but yeah, there's, there's no time. I mean, he's got to figure it out. And, uh, if that means that for a year, Seattle struggle while they, uh, just experiment with this and see if it works, then that's just the reality of the situation, I think. And if, if this team does do, I mean, they clearly do a lot of things well, and, mm-hmm. but one thing that they do particularly well is, uh, when they get thrown into the deep end, they, they do manage to swim quite well. In, in seasons past. Would you agree with that statement? I think, it's, 
Yeah, I think it's one of those statements where it gets true until it's not. And when it's not true, it's a bummer. Um, so, yeah, I mean, do you want to like, do you want to just rely on that again? Just like, okay, well, this is where a backs to the wall team. Uh, I think at some point still you want to stop having your backs to the wall, right? <laughs> well, yeah, but I, there's this global pandemic and everybody's back, sure, backs sure, against sure. the wall. So. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, that's good. You, that's a good point. Yeah. What, what can you What can you really do? You don't want yeah. your You don't want your sixth game to come on August twenty third, the sixth game of the season. <laughs> but Not that's ideally. what That's what's happening. So. Yeah. Um, I want. I want to. I want to kind of like. I don't want to rehash the conversation that we had on on the last episode too much. And I think we've kind of all put forward our our concerns and. and and whatnot of the back line. But if, if this team is going to see, see a way forward, um, Susie, what do you think, um, what do you think they're going to have to do? Right? What, what are some of the strengths that, you know, they, they play three games in six days, essentially, what are they going to have to do against Portland and the two LA teams to sort of like put that, put their foot right and reintroduce themselves as, as a dominant team in this league? It would be too simple to say score. Um, <laughs> no, that's my I kind mean, of analysis like, right there. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, I mean, like, Portland gives up goals, too. Like, they went through – I don't even know if they had a shutout the whole tournament, MLS's back tournament. So, they're a team that's going to give you chances. Um, I'm just looking at their first opponent. I think looking at where they struggled, in addition to all the things we've talked about already, like, they just need to figure out – how to better use the midfield. I mean, it was obvious that the team was under so much pressure against LAFC, but they couldn't do anything to break that press through the midfield. And if they're going to be a team that can, can change things this time around or um, in these sets of games, um, Jao Paulo is going to be a great addition there. Hopefully, like Ari said, um, but I feel like that's where they need to figure it out the most. Go ahead, Ari. You, you have thoughts on this. What do the Sounders need to do? I mean, like, if we take it for granted that there are going to be some defensive struggles going forward, which seems pretty likely. I mean, they can – they still have guys that can score. They still have Nico Ladero. You still have Jordan Morris. Uh, I think, you know, Rui Diaz, he, he didn't seem like his full self during the tournament. He missed some chances that he normally puts away, and you would kind of expect that to even out a little bit. So, if it, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is if it becomes the type of thing where they're in these kind of shootout, like, 4-3 type of games, um, I think they can do that. It's a dangerous way to live, and it's probably going to give a lot of people heart attacks. Um, but that just might be how they have to do it right now. I mean, in an ideal world for them – um, Neymar and Ariaga just, you know, the, the training reps that they've been getting kind of solidify that partnership and you can keep the goals out a little more. Um, but it might be just like a run and gun and try and try and win games four three type of situation. Do you think that and this is, you know, kind of an open question, but do you think that, uh, I know we've caveated everything with talking about the tournament that you can't really learn much, but from a personnel perspective for the team, do you think that Brian Smetzer and, and the staff did learn anything from the tournament and have used this time off to um, 
correct anything. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they learned that uh, there are some defensive issues. I mean, I know that we've been saying that you can't really formulate any conclusions off this tournament, but I mean, some of these issues kind of date back to last year too. So I think you can glean something from that. And I would imagine that back at Starfire, they've been drilling the hell out of it and, and just trying to get more more sound in the back. Um, and if they can do that, you know, I, I think that they can look like the team that they looked like in the playoffs last year. There's still the talent on the roster to do it. I mean, it's just, it's just a matter if those issues get straightened out or not. Um, and if they do, I think the ceiling is still high. It's just, I, it's just a 50, 50 question at this point. We don't, we, we have no idea. We don't. I, yeah. I think another thing that hopefully on the positive side of things, I hope that, that Smet just saw. And I think that something at ASA we saw with our data that was kind of interesting was that uh Hamwala Buana might be really good. Oh yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I know that there wasn't a lot of positive things to take from it, but, but that was definitely the one I would. Um, so I don't know if he's going to – I'm not sure where he fits when everyone's healthy, if he's a starting player or not. Uh, but I certainly hope that he's, he's the first guy off the bench. Uh, I'd like to see more of that guy. Yeah, he seems uh, really confident on the ball, or I feel like maybe when he's had opportunities in the past has not been quite as forceful. Um, I think he's – whether he's a starter or – coming off the bench he's he's had a real spark sometimes off the bench so he's a great option I'd love to see more of him and not only off the bench but if you're playing a game effectively every 72 hours there the yeah. assumption is that <laughs> there will be some needs for some depth there. Need, yeah some there'll be there'll be some rotation so let's have a conversation about about the Sounders depth basic the, the longest stretch that they go without a game is about three and a half days um and that's between thankfully it's between two home games it's it's the it's the last part of this this run of games which is uh, sunday september 6th with which is of course against the timbers again because they're only doing regional games and then uh september 10th thursday which is against san jose but between that it's pretty much every 3 days there's a game and i would say even even taking into account um, the back line situation, we can probably pencil in eight starters for the Sounders. Uh, eight first choice. You know, that's you've got Rui Diaz, Nico, Morris, um, Jao Paulo, uh, Svensson, the two center backs, Leardam, and Fry, Christian Goldan also. Uh, how do how do we feel about the depth? How, like, do we? Do we think like, okay, you know, we've got Jovan Jones, Hanwal Delano, well, Bruins healthy. Do, do we feel, do we feel good about, about the rotation pieces that are there? I think Jovan Jones and Will Bruin are two, are two big ones. Jovan was hurt at the beginning of the tournament, right? And Will Bruin came back from his ACL injury and then got hurt again and came back and they immediately combined for a goal when they came on in the LAFC game. So I think, um, you can feel pretty good about rotating those guys in. And then you've got guys like uh, Miguel Ibarra. Uh, is Jordy Delem. Jordy Delem, who's uh, he's been steady when he's had to play for the most part for the last couple of years. I mean, Miguel Ibarra, people, people forget, but uh, those first two games in March, he missed a lot of <laughs> series. So he took negative attempts. 
because he was missing all the chances, but he was in great spots. I mean, his uh, What's that, his XG's like his XG, his XG like four point or something. Yeah, he was in our. Yeah, he was. He's one of those like guys that when we look at like in a small sample size, we're like, okay, well, eventually these are going to start going in, and that's going to be great things. But then we just stop playing soccer for a long time. So uh, yeah, no, that Abaro uh, uh, looked like he really understood the system well and was getting the great spots. It's funny though. We've we've talked so much about Ariaga and Yamar, but like Shane O'Neill is going to be starting like half these games. I I, I read some comments on your website, uh, Mark, uh, <laughs> that that before the tournament, people were like Shane O'Neill, like he's not going to play at all unless there's an emergency. And it's just like I don't know if I can describe to you guys how much Shane O'Neill is going to be watching. He's a and third that, center back. He's the third center back, and yeah. there's going to be a lot of squad rotation. So he's, and you he's could, going to play. You could not like that he's the third center back. That's right. fine. But he is. Like, and I even mentioned this in the piece that I wrote about Aliaga. It's, it's that everybody wants Svensson to be the third center back, but he's the first defensive midfielder. Yeah. And you can't do two things at once. Um, least, as talented as Gustav. <laughs> yeah. And, the, and to even take it in – into account that he's kind of gone on record to say he doesn't really like playing center back, but he'll do it in a pinch. So we will see a lot of Shane O'Neill. And I like every, everybody has the same problem with this phase one restart and whatever, yeah. whatever happens after this. And um, we don't know, but everybody has the same grueling schedule. Um, you know, Seattle, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's um, advantageous that they've had a longer rest than, than Portland, but everybody's had at least two weeks off. So um, I guess. I was just going to add yeah. on terms of depth. I was going to say the exact same thing, which is I just think every team is going to struggle with depth in, in some capacity. And I think what's nice about the Sounders is do you have players who are versatile so they can fill in in multiple spots where I don't think every team like Joe and Jones can play on either wing or left back, Christian Roldan can probably play goalkeeper for all we know. Um, so, <laughs> so like the options, I think there's maybe a little bit of um, lack of, of real significant depth if you're talking about like true people on the wings, but you have so many people can plug in there that seems like that is maybe set up well. And there's also still the five subs that the teams get to use. Yeah. Um, we might see right back Christian rolled on. Yeah. Which we'll certainly see Alex rolled on it right back. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. At least once. Um, so, I, the, does anybody else have anything they want to mention on depth before I transition the conversation and then close this thing out? I think no, I just. Think, yeah. I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I was I was saying that I think we just about covered. Oh, maybe uh, maybe we'll get some Danny Wave a minutes. I don't know the status of. Yeah, well, he broke his foot, so I would I would be surprised if they brought him back so soon. He I to talk to Jess Fishlock, who says you can get around a broken toe or foot. <laughs> I, yeah, but do you want the, like there's are there child endangerment laws or anything that we have to worry about here? Nah, they're not worried about safety. Come on. <laughs> Well, clearly, they're not worried about safety because the last topic I want to talk about is MLS is insane for wanting to have fans in the stands. Am I the only one that thinks that that's the craziest thing in the world? Well, they're not insane from their perspective. I mean, like their goal is to try and squeeze whatever revenue they can out of this season. Um, so from that, you know, that's a very 
the, their decisions are very in keeping with that interest. Uh, but as far as whether or not that's like a wise idea, doesn't doesn't seem like it, does it? I mean, I think the hardest thing, I mean, it's just a, a good statement about where we are as a country, um, that you leave this up to the states to make the decisions about how far along they are in reopening and public health guidelines. And so a league can say, a state like Texas, who thinks they're farther along when maybe I would argue they shouldn't be as open as they are, um, can allow fans. I think that's just the most frustrating thing is that there's just no federal standard for any public health guidelines right now. And so you get these one-offs that are super frustrating. And it, and it should be said that as soon as this sort of thing got announced, the Sounders and they're one of the first in their first paragraph in their press release, they said that the, no fans would be in attendance at their home games. And we know Portland is in a similar situation, but the Sounders do play on September 2nd in Salt Lake City, which Real Salt Lake is allowing. I, th I think I saw the number between 5,000 or 8,000 fans, um, which they probably won't get anywhere near those numbers, just like FC Dallas hasn't hit their capacity. But it's still crazy that we're even entertaining this idea when we are where we are as a country. <laughs> I think that there's, uh, Susie's right. It, what's frustrating is just that there's no consistency and especially you'd expect the league, especially to come in and say, no, the guys, no fans. Like we're not doing that. Um, and the fact that we're leaving this up to individual clubs as well, is just kind of, um, you know, it's surprising. It's not where I expected it to go. I think that uh, MLS deserves some credit for, you know, uh, towards the end of the tournament. I mean, obviously there was all that problem at the beginning, um, but it seemed like the players stayed in the bubble. We didn't see any stories about guys going off to grab dinner or, you know, hitting strip clubs or whatever we're seeing from the NBA bubble stories. So, uh, but now that that whole facade, that bubble, that whole thing is kind of gone. Um, and I just, it, it, I'm surprised that, that it's even like a, an option for clubs to take at this point, because I know some clubs are going to take it no matter what, because like they have their bottom line to worry about. And a lot of clubs don't have um, the kind of revenue that, that, that Seattle might get or Atlanta might get or, or the Galaxy. Um, uh, and that puts them in a, in a tougher spot. I, you know, I still hope they'd make the right decision, but it looks like they, they might not. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. And you... For the, I, I would say for the most part, everybody's been pretty responsible, but it like the way that this thing works is it only takes like one person to not be responsible to make a huge mess. Like we've seen with Major League Baseball, their kind of things spiral out of control. And we even saw it at the beginning of this tournament as, as unfair as it is to focus on FC Dallas and Nashville. And we don't, we don't know those situations, but they got kicked out of the tournament because of so many positive tests. So I, and, and even if it is safe and it, and it could be, it very well could be, you know, social distancing and masks and whatnot. It's just, it's just an optics problem at, at, at its, at its core, like 2000, between a thousand and 2000 people are dying a day in this country because of this disease that we're apparently bored with. So why, why even why even have the the press that the MLS has gotten since since this has started? 
and that's that's how I feel about that. I don't know if anybody feels the same. <laughs> well, I just think I feel the same way in terms of anytime there are, you know, strings being loosened or or whatever, it just sends a signal that maybe we shouldn't as a country be taking this as seriously. And I feel like that's a huge danger. And maybe your Instagram feeds are different than mine, but it seems like everyone is starting to mingle in multiple groups now. And um, yeah. that anytime you see a larger organization encouraging that, it's not, not great. It's, yeah, it's unfortunate. And um, the most frustrating thing is there's not really anything we can do about it. Um, other than just voice our displeasure at the end of a podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I guess Sounders fans can't even really boycott games because no one's going, right? So yeah, I mean, can't even make a statement. Sounders fans are are uh, typically pretty creative with their, yeah their messaging. So, <laughs> and I, and that's not even to be sarcastic. I think you no, know, yeah. S- Susie and I were talking offline uh, earlier today, and and we're about a year exactly removed from the Iron Front. Um, debacle that was wow, that feels like five years ago yeah, yeah wow. which you know that was that was about a month of of mls time and that was great like i just remember being just remember that and that's just being how awful that is and and now we here we are a year later and uh <sighs> precedented times so um well Thanks to you three for joining me on the Center of Heart podcast. I really appreciate your time, Ari, Susie, and Ian. Um, be sure to check out uh, Ari and uh, Ian's work. Uh, Ari's is at MLSsoccer.com, of course. Ian is uh, American Soccer Analysis on Twitter and the internet. Of course, you can find Susie and I at Sounder at Heart, but you already knew that. So uh, th- thank you to the listener for for listening us listening to us talk about our two favorite soccer, local soccer teams. Uh, until next time, I've been Mark. Thanks to the Sounder Heart Podcast.